Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Leading Edge Love Radio. This is your host, Sumati Sparks, the Open Relationship Coach. Have you ever wondered how well-suited you are for ethical non-monogamy? Well, you can find out by taking my quiz. And you can find the quiz right on the homepage of my website, sumatisparks.com. That's spelled S as in Sam, U, M as in Mary, A, T as in Tom, I, Sparks, as in Sparks are flying. And when you enter your email, you'll be added to my mailing list as well. And you'll be the first to learn about both my online events as well as my live events in the San Francisco Bay Area. So tonight, I'm really looking forward to my guest, whose name is Hala Fauzi. Hala grew up in Alexandra, Egypt, to the rhythms and melodies of the Middle East. And she was a key figure in Middle Eastern arts and culture in the San Francisco Bay Area for many, many years, including performing and teaching dance for over 20 years. But for the past year and a half, she's been traveling around the world being her free-loving self, And today she joins us from Brazil. Welcome to the show, Hala. Thank you, Samoji. It's my pleasure. So glad to have you. Yeah, glad to have you here from Brazil. (laughs) I can't wait to hear about how you ended up there. Um, But let's start (laughs) by talking. (laughs) Let's start by talking about um, just your personal journey. and I know you like to use the term free love and polyamory and all, all kinds of different labels. So maybe you can start by talking, telling us your personal story of how you came to be practicing open relationships and what that looks like for you today and, and what terms you use to describe yourself. Sure. Uh, my journey into open uh, love or free love um, has not been easy, <laughs> as you can imagine, uh, but it, it was um, more of a journey of self-discovery uh, because I grew up in Egypt where people's favorite pastime is to complain, and their favorite mm. subject to complain about is their spouse. And so it's just I was always puzzled by how much People yearn for and seek marriage, and then a short while after they get married, they start complaining, and and it never ends. So my natural instinct is that I don't want anything to do with that kind of weird practice. (laughs) So uh, I used to to say, oh, I don't believe in love because mainstream culture and society in in like songs and movies and, and, um, and stories and pop culture this is what they called love, and, and, and that thing that they called love led to an inevitable prison called marriage, and I just participate in that. Um, so as an adult, I practiced um, serial monogamy, uh, like most people in the U.S., and, um, but during that time, the, the, like, the longest relationship lasted only like one year, and between relationships, um, I kind of basically was polyamorous without even knowing there was a name to it. But right. <laughs> uh, basically, I, would, I mean, I didn't come across the term until I lived in San Francisco. Uh, but that's, you know, a different story. So basically, I would have multiple, uh, what we call now friends with benefits. We used to call them SO or significant others. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. uh, and because I don't, I don't like lying, I just made sure that everybody was on the same page. Like, there's no need to, like, hide because, you know, I was uh, free to, to be myself with, with whoever, whoever I choose to be. Um, and then I came across the term, and it's like, oh, so this, you know, this, this thing actually has a name and, 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 and exists. So I was very relieved to know that. Um, but I still was, um, was looking for the relationship to live happily, happily ever after because, um, again, societal conditioning told me that what I was doing is not sustainable. So it's just something that's kind of, you know, to pass time, but I still have to find the one kind of thing. 
Uh, and so I still struggled with calling myself polyamorous. And, and of course, my main um, fear was to be judged because people, you know, I, I had this impression um, that if I say to people that uh, I, I'm polyamorous or, or uh, I want an open relationship or whatever, they would think, oh, she's, she's, she's just into sex, she's an easy lay, all that stuff. And so mm-hmm. I still uh, tried to conform, like to suppress that, that part of my nature and, and try to conform. And unfortunately, I, um, by doing that, I kept attracting the wrong people in life because mm-hmm. I was not authentic to, to my nature. Uh, and then at some point, when I came across the concept of unconditional love, I thought, okay, this makes sense to me. Uh, this kind of love, which, which I give freely to others and people give, give me freely without ownership, without possessiveness, without ego, uh, without fear, that made sense to me. And then I, I became a believer instantly. It's like, okay, this is the kind of love that I want to participate in. I don't want to, um, you know, have any claim or have any ownership over my partner's body or, my, or, or time. And I don't want them to have any claim over my time or my body. When I share my time and my body, it's because I want to, not because I have mm-hmm. to or because, you know, they hold a piece of paper or whatever. <laughs> it just didn't mm-hmm. make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of, you know, and, and then uh, after a while of trying to conform and trying to suppress my nature, I just said, you know, it's just not working because I would meet somebody and then uh, would get to know them. And then after a while, I'd say, I would say, okay, but, you know, really who I am is this and this and this. And then they would freak out. It's like, oh, you, you lied to me, blah, blah, blah. And then they would run away scared. So I thought, you know what, this is not working. So I started... Um, declaring who I am from from day one, it's like this is what I want and this is who I am, and by some like weird magic, I started attracting the right people in my in my life, and it was so easy and it's right. so simple that I just like was was beating myself up. Why did I try so hard to um, change myself when I when just by honoring my nature, uh, I can easily find and and, and connect with like-minded people. So that's mm-hmm. when I decided to just, okay, I'm just going to be who I am and, and, and just honor my nature, be true to my, to my heart, and let everything else fall where they, where they may. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really appreciate that you said that because that's been happening for me more recently, too, where I staked my claim as a solo poly person, and I've been having the best relationships ever with the most amazing people. <laughs> and... um and then I was talking to a friend the other day who was complaining about he date, he dates women only and he's dating that all the women try to turn him into monogamous when he's not. And he said his, his ad that he has on whatever app he's using, he puts down at the bottom and I'm not monogamous. And I was like, well, why don't you put that at the top of your ad instead of the bottom? <laughs> no wonder you're yes, thank you. <laughs> They're thinking it's just an afterthought. Oh, I'm non-monogamous. But if you put it in the beginning, like, I'm non-monogamous, that's going to weed out anybody who's not okay with that. <laughs> and he was exactly. like, oh, I can't do that. You know, yeah, yeah. So it's really important to, but it takes some maturity and time, don't you think, to kind of have the confidence and the trust in the universe that there's going to be enough people who are like us? <laughs> For sure, yeah. I mean, and uh, it's amazing how... Many people actually are struggling with the same issue. Like once, as soon as you declare it, it's like they all come out of, of you know, everywhere. It's like, oh, so, and, and it's really very heartwarming um, that even people who are not okay with the concept, they have heard of it, or at least they are, um, they are okay with it. Like they're, they're not the evil monsters in my, that I used to have in my head <laughs> who are going to judge me. They're mm-hmm. actually... It's like, oh, okay, so, you know, you like tea and coffee. You know, it's, it's, not, um, it's, uh, it's not a super traumatic judgment like I, fe- I used to fear. Mm-hmm. So I've heard you, I heard you use the term free love, and I think most people think about the 60s in America when they hear that term. But I interviewed somebody else on my radio show last year named Kelly Bryson who used that term from the 
the intentional communities in Europe like Zeg and Tamara, they use that term too. So where did you get the term? Actually from Kenny Bryson. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I wonder if it was from that same <laughs> tribe. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So tell tell us what yeah, that means I, to you and why why is that term a more effective term than polyamory? Um, I actually use them interchangeably depending on the specifics. Uh, mm-hmm. But I used to use, I mean, I still use unconditional love. And uh, mm-hmm. and I realized by using that, it, it's a, a big trigger for many people because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of, of unfortunately, um, there's a lot of, um, of suffering around abuse. So when people hear mm-hmm. unconditional, they freak out. It's like, no, it has to be conditional. There has to be a compassion. I mean, and so I try to use free love um, because in, in essence, uh, what I mean by that is free, of, free from fear. Like when, when I love somebody, uh, I, I'm not afraid of losing them. I'm not afraid of, of them cheating on me. I'm, I'm actually, in my opinion, I'm loving them unconditionally. Like when I love them, I'm giving them my love because I enjoy giving them. I enjoy loving. I, I, it's healthy. It's, it feels good. Uh, it's healing. It makes me happy. So I'm not doing it to get anything in return. I'm doing it mm. because it feels good. Uh, and for me, that's, that's really the only way. That's really true love because anything else is, a, is a, an exchange of benefits. It's a, it's a trade. Like I'm going to give you my love to get... Uh, your time or to get uh, children or to get I mean, all that stuff it's, it's not in my opinion it's not love it's a trade it's an exchange of energy mm-hmm. and there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that I mean that's the natural flow of energy but, but if, when we call it love then we actually try we, we like shrink this, this, this infinite beautifulness into a very kind of confined role but love is like almost a commodity, that. huh? Exactly, yeah. Like we use, we use. I mean, in mainstream culture, what they call love, it's actually, uh, it's using love and sex as a commodity to be traded for, you know, money or, or time or uh, security or whatever. I mean, it's 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 an exchange of energy. But but when we think of love, it's it's actually much bigger than that. Uh, it's it's like you know this huge, beautiful energy that we all came from and we all are in our essence. And it's much bigger than, than a commodity to be exchanged because mm-hmm. when you love somebody, you love them because it feels good to love, not because I want something from them. If you, want, if you only love them because you want something from them, then it's not love, in my opinion. Right. So I find that when I'm when I'm feeling really resourced, like I have enough connections in my life, I have friends, I have intimate connections, you know, all the kinds of community support that I want and I'm feeling like I'm, I'm well rested and my body is healthy. That's when I can really give love without needing anything in return. Um, but so often um, if I'm feeling rejected or isolated and lonely then I'm kind of wanting someone to validate me. And, and also when I was younger and new in my personal growth path and I just didn't have very good self-esteem, you know, I wanted people to validate me. Um, if I had this certain kind of partner, that meant something. So what do you recommend for people to be able to give love from a giving place rather than getting validation or getting their cup filled or something? How can we be more in that space where we can, give from a place of overflowing absolutely thank you for mentioning that that's that's key actually of uh, of how to give love unconditionally um, and basically in other words how to fill up your uh, energy reservoir <laughs> so to speak. right uh, and that's a very important question let, let me step back a little and, and explain why there is a lack of that um, because in in mainstream culture Basically, the main point I want to get to is that unconditional love starts in the mirror. Because if you, mm-hmm. we have the saying in Arabic, uh, you cannot love what you lack. So if you cannot love yourself unconditionally, 
then you're not able, you cannot give it to other, other people. Mm-hmm. So the first step and, and the, the, main, the most important practice uh, is to practice loving oneself unconditionally. Uh, and unfortunately, again, we all grew up in cultures that teach us that loving yourself is selfish, it's arrogance, it's, um, it's narcissism, all these bad things that we're not supposed to do. And that leads to a love-hungry culture. So we all are seeking love outside of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so it's not a healthy attachment. It's, 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 a, needy, um, it's a needy kind of attachment. And that's, that's why we have a love-hungry culture, because we, we're not able to, to give love unconditionally to ourselves. So if we retrain our brains and, and, and kind of recondition ourselves to be okay, and not even be okay, but, but the, to um, reprogram our mind that it's actually healthy to love ourselves unconditionally, then we can have a completely different life, and we can, we can have a completely different culture, and we can have a completely different you know, human history. Um, so one of the practices that, that, I, um, that I teach and recommend, uh, it's actually the first and most important one, is to love oneself unconditionally. And, and that actually is a, is a practice because it, every single interaction, every, every single thought, every single uh, emotion that we have is an opportunity to practice self-love and self-care. Uh, because the first thing, the first step towards loving yourself is to know yourself. So understand, uh, understand like you, you study yourself like you would study your most beloved person to get to know yourself beyond the stories, like who, are, who you are, what, what, what your triggers are, where they come from. Uh, and of course, it, it takes a lot of forgiveness and a, and a lot of um, acceptance. Uh, it's actually kind of... Um, Interesting how most of the time we are our harshest judges, like, like we are um, harder on ourselves, like we judge ourselves much more harshly than other people's judges. Uh, and yes, that's there's a bad a term, the English term is we are our own worst critic. Very, yeah, very true. And that's, that's a very unhealthy habit. Uh, mm-hmm. So, the you know, the... The most important step towards uh, healthy relationships, whether they're monogamous, polyamorous, or even relationships with your parents or your neighbors or your coworkers, any relationship whatsoever, is to know yourself, uh, love yourself unconditionally, and own your power. And I'm happy to explain mm-hmm. that as well, uh, because that's also very crucial. Yeah, please uh, do. Owning your own know. power, tell us. So... Basically, owning your power is to um, be able to act from that space of love and abundance, or as you just said, being uh, having your reservoir of love full. So, mm-hmm. if we are um, like uh, triggered and we act, we react from our triggers, then we're not in our power. We are basically um, in reaction mode. We are working against something. Um, so you can still do the same action if, if, it's, if it means a lot to you, but, you can, but if you shift from being in reaction mode or being in fear and scarcity to uh, your power, like being in, in control, being uh, a choice of which course to take, then that's being in your power. Mm-hmm. Um, so in order to be in your power, we have to understand, basically the first step is to, Find a way to heal, like, and I'm going to use like a, a generic term here, heal your inner child. And, and luckily enough, in this day and age, there's like a thousand and one ways to heal the inner child. Uh, mm-hmm. Basically, understand where, where your triggers come from and, and uh, forgive yourself and, and your ancestors for, for, you know, thousands and thousands of years of, of, of fear and scarcity and wars. I mean, that's, we are, we are, a result of all the traumas that have happened in the past. So in order to be in our power, we have to understand that it might not be our fault, it might, might not be our parents' fault, it might not be our you know, ancestors' fault, but this is what we inherited. So we have to like, get to the point where we can find 
love and forgiveness for all these traumas that have accumulated over the thousands and thousands of years. Um, right. And then once, thank once we find our triggers, thank you. Um, once we find, or not find, but I mean, they're always there. <laughs> it's not very hard to find. But um, knowing our triggers, uh, we also have to be patient with healing them because um, whenever we are in fear, fear has, has a lesson for us, like there's, there's a lesson for us to, to learn. Like there's, fear is our biggest teacher. When you think about how, uh, how we grow and how we learn, uh, you know, just like the, the very simple example is like we all learned not to touch a hot surface because we got burned. Uh, and that's true for the emotional traumas as well. You know, we, we all grow from from pain. So, when we have a painful experience or or a, um, a negative emotional reaction, instead of acting on it and, and relating to it as the truth, we need to take a, a, a breath and 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 stop for a second and and examine what is going on here. Where, where is this emotional reaction coming from? Uh, what can I learn from it about myself? Um, mm-hmm. So owning your power is instead of blaming others for your life or your reactions or your whatever is happening to you, uh, basically being in victim mode, owning your power meaning I'm going to shift and see what, what can I learn from, from this negative emotion, from, from this fear, uh, and be a choice as to what, how how to react to the to the stimulus, um, mm-hmm, right? I don't know if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, that's basically no, what, absolutely. What, I I think that that's one of the key things for people that practice non-monogamy is to be able to not blame the other person for their feelings, um, and until we can do that, until we can stop blaming someone else for the way we feel. I don't think you can be successful in non-monogamy. So that's a really key skill. And we're never perfect at it, but as long as we are trying and we catch ourselves and we slip, um, I think that's one of the foundational skills that we need, don't you? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's every single interaction with anybody in our lives, uh, whether it's actually even, even in monogamy, uh, instead of blaming the other person for our problems and our life and whatever, uh, we can still own our power in any kind of relationship, even with our bosses at work. I mean, you know, how many times have you heard, you know, my boss made me do this or uh, right. my boss is an idiot. Or, <laughs> so, so, I mean, or even just like it's so, common for, it's so common for people to use the phrase, you know, they made me feel whatever, fill in the blank. You know, just even that phrase, exactly. you made me feel exactly. hurt. You, you made me feel sad. Like, it's such a common place for people to go to to assume that someone else's behavior made them feel a certain way. But if we can slow that down, right, slow it down, isn't there usually a thought first and then the feeling? Exactly, yes. Um, and And... Yes. So basically every time I find myself in judgment, like negative judgment uh, about somebody or something or even myself, I stop and ask myself, I have this, um, this rule, like a rule of thumb. <laughs> um, if, you, if you can kind of visualize judgment is like pointing the finger. Mm-hmm. So when you have a finger pointing at, at something or somebody and saying, oh, they're wrong or bad or evil or whatever negative judgment there is, there are three other fingers pointing at you. And the three right. other fingers, I call them the, the PET. Uh, basically, it's, it's a reminder to examine myself on three different levels. P is the physical, uh, the physical level, like my body, how am I feeling? Because usually when, we're, when our bodies are, are like tired or hungry or like lacking something, we are we, we can we are easily triggered because physically we are lacking something very basic and, and that's the, the most mm-hmm. basic uh, the most basic level uh, so that's the piece right. the piece so on the physical level I ask myself okay I'm judging here so let me check 
okay, how am I feeling? Am I hungry? Am I thirsty? Am I cold? Am I hot? Uh, do I need touch? Do I need physical movement? Whatever it is, do I need rest? And you'll be amazed how many negative emotions just disappear after a good nap or a good orgasm. It's, it's mm-hmm. just like, it's <laughs> like, poof, like magic. So the first thing to check is like, okay, how am I feeling on a physical level? The second, uh, which is the ring finger, is the emotion level. How, what, are, what emotional needs are not being met? So the emotional needs can be like, I, do I need company? Do I need my space? Do I need to be validated? Do I need uh, safety? Uh, so on the emotional level, how, how am I feeling? So again, I'm, I'm examining my own emotion, uh, and especially in conjunction with the the trigger or the, the the person or the thing that I'm judging, what like how am I feeling towards that thing, uh, and the third one which is the most potent one is is the thoughts. So E is emotions and, and T is thoughts. Like what what thought patterns do I have about the situation, and the most important thing is it actually happening in the here and now in the present moment or is it something from the past trauma or from from a past experience. Is it my own um, thought, or is it, or is it, or is it, uh, is it an inherited thought? Like, is, is it something that I actually just um, got from from society, or is it something my, I actually believe in? So, thoughts mm-hmm. are the biggest uh, kind of cobweb where judgments exist. So, that's a very important one to to examine. Uh, and usually, when you examine these three things, you, you immediately can you can very easily find the space where, where you flip from, from love and abundance to fear and scarcity. It's like, oh, yeah, it's like, you know, I felt this way because, you know, I have this thought that, you know, let's, let's say, for example, um, I have this uh, belief that, you know, my spouse has to, I don't know, be my, I don't know, provider or, or provide for or be my... Um, you know, only source of security. So, and then I examined that thought, okay, is, is this true? Is this realistic? Uh, can I put all my um, emotional and physical needs uh, into one person? Is that realistic? I mean, realistically, that's actually setting them up for, for failure and setting myself up for disappointment because no, no one person can, can fulfill another person's all their physical and emotional needs. It's just insanity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have to examine all these inherited thoughts and in- inherited belief systems. Do they make any sense? Uh, it might make sense for a short time, but do they make sense on the long term? So these are the kind of thoughts and, and belief systems that we need to examine when we are in judgment. And, and um, hopefully at some point you'll, you'll come to the, you know, to some kind of um, either uh, agreement or some kind of discussion or, or honest communication with whoever is in your life and, and come to some kind of uh, a win-win situation where you both get your, your, um, your needs and, and um, uh, your desires fulfilled uh, in a healthy way without hurting the others because what hurts other people is, is acting out of judgment and acting out of triggers and not communicating honestly what's going on. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah, just like a little you. quick um, example of, of how it can, it can help by examining your own thoughts. I love that. So the three fingers are PET, um, physical, emotional, and thoughts. It's really helpful. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah, so if Thank you're you. just joining us, you're listening to Leading Edge Love Radio, and this is your host, Sumati Sparks, the Open Relationship Coach. And we're speaking with Hala Fauzi, an Egyptian um, dancer and dance teacher who's been traveling around the world for the last year and a half. And I want to hear a little bit about that, too. But if you do want to call in and ask Hala any questions, feel free to call in. The guest call-in number is 657-383-1132. 657-383-1132 and feel free to call in anytime between now and the next 15 or 20 minutes. You won't interrupt us. You'll be put on hold and we'll just answer the call when we're ready. 
So tell us how you came to be traveling around the world and where have you gone and all that kind of good stuff. <laughs> oh, for sure. Um, it's always been a dream of mine to travel around the world. Uh, or to travel. I mean, I've, I've, I've always been a traveler. I just love um, that kind of um, exploration. Uh, and so in 2016, I had a, a, a very traumatic year. Um, I, had, I was living in California, living my dream life, dancing, uh, teaching dance, uh, hosting dance events, um, and I had three cats. Uh, and 2016, some, by some bizarre luck, uh, all three cats, even though they were ages 4, 9, and 11, they all died in the same year. And my mother also died, uh, and uh, I had the car accident, so my car died as well. And so I thought, oh, you know, wow. this is so traumatic, and, and it was uh, very depressing. And I realized that um, what was making me uh, depressed was not the fact that all these things died, because everything is going to die, but I was so attached to how things should and should not be. I had this kind of especially to my cats. I had very, very strong emotional attachments. And, and so everything around me in California reminded me of the fact that they're not there anymore. And mm-hmm. so I decided to, um, to basically uh, go traveling at that point because I wanted to practice uh, non-attachment and living in the moment. And travel is the best way to do that because when I'm traveling, I, I've, I've traveled you know, a lot and... and um, when I'm traveling, I'm forced to worry about, okay, every single day, where, what am I going to do today? What am I going to sleep? What am I going to eat? So it's, it forces, forces me to live in the moment. So I, I decided this is what I want to do. Uh, and during this journey, I also am researching um, intentional communities because I want to live in community. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been an exploration, as much, as much of an external exploration as much as it is for uh, an internal exploration. Uh, and so it's been a wonderful journey. I've been uh, studying Tantra. I've been uh, living uh, as much as I can in community and, and researching different communities. So it's been a wonderful experience that's, um, that's really helping me kind of uh, understand myself and understand people mo- much more. And, and uh, it's kind of interesting because, you know, after a year and a half now, I've, I've like, you know, Slept on beaches, slept on couches, slept in hammocks, slept uh, on benches, uh, slept in five-star hotels, slept in resorts, slept in, in a spa, met people from all over the world, for, from different religions, from different uh, backgrounds, different ethnicities, all sorts of um, uh, people all over the, the political spectrums, spectrum from conservative to liberal and everything in between. And I'm realizing more and more the the truth to the statement that there's nothing to fear but fear itself. And it's very, mm. very true. Like, you know, our biggest uh, enemy is not, you know, other people or, or uh, you know, or even animals or insects. Our biggest enemy is fear because, unfortunately, because we come from thousands and thousands of years, years of fear and scarcity, we are so conditioned to acting and reacting and, and living in fear that even when there's nothing to fear, we, we make things up and fear them. It's like it's so insane. Like we, we fear nature, we fear, uh, you know, the other, like, you know, people don't share our uh, stories or people don't share our um, geographical location. We just make them into monsters and, and we fear them when in reality they're just like us. And uh, mm-hmm. it makes me very sad. So I'm um, mm, beautiful. Um, so are you staying in a community in Brazil? In Brazil, right now I'm not. I'm I'm staying in a hostel. But um, I did live the last two weeks with a wonderful kind of spontaneous uh, family. Like uh, I, I call it a spontaneous family because I happen to be with four other couch surfers living together, and then we, we liked each other very much, so we started traveling together. Uh, so my Fortaleza family because we we uh, met in Fortaleza and we traveled together for about two and a half weeks and then um, unfortunately I had to say goodbye to to them and move on um, but they're still in Fortaleza so it was kind of oh, a spontaneous community. 
Kyle, that's fun. Can you tell us about some of the communities that you've explored so far, especially the ones where there's more of a free love attitude? Uh, sure. I actually, um, there are several of them. Um, the there are two that I kind of keep going to. Like I, I, I went uh, back to a few of them because I just it, it resonated with with, uh, with my needs a, uh, a lot. Uh, one is in Hawaii, Lulea, uh, in Hawaii in the Big Islands. Uh, they mm-hmm. practice um, a new culture, which is sex forum and. and uh, oh yeah. So you were in the community where they have the winter camp? Yes. Well, actually, no. Oh, I'm going to be camp I'm going to be going to, uh, be be going to the winter so. camp in January. Yeah. Oh, excellent. I don't know if it's happening in Lulea, but uh, Lulea is... I know winter camp last year happened in a different community, but it's, they're all... Well, it happened uh, in a different place last year because of the volcano, wasn't it? Uh, the volcano happened happened after that. Happened oh, okay. Um, okay. in May, I believe. Okay. Well, April I don't know. If, I don't know if it's the same, but it's definitely the new culture people. I just don't know if it's the same location. So, <laughs> it's they're very close. They all next to each other. Uh, the one I mm-hmm. lived at is it's called Lulia, and they also host okay. um, uh, events like they're having the Tantra festival in uh, early February, February second. Right. To to right. Rise. Right. Uh, and they also they are um, they practice uh, you know open open communication and uh, and uh, they're sex positive basically right uh, right the yeah other, that's the, the other one, one because the, they said they're ha- they're having the tantra festival right afterwards so I know that's the same one I'm going to in January yay so you liked that one a lot huh yeah yeah it's, it's an excellent community in, in my opinion because they also uh, they live kind of true to their um, uh, to the principles of, of being um, eco-friendly. So they have their, they generate their own electricity, they have their own water. They're basically living off the grid and planting their own food. So you get fresh, you know, tropical fruit from the tree every morning. Mm. It's just amazing. Mm. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, it's it's really a wonderful one. And the other one is, is the Vaid, uh Vices in Spain, near Granada. It's about an hour and a half from Granada. Uh, mm-hmm. In uh, in the Sierra Nevadas of Spain, <laughs> not not of California. Oh. The Sierra Nevada, mm-hmm. Nevada of Spain, the original Sierra Nevada. Uh, and Vices is not just an eco community; it's also an aeros lab. So they they also have their clothing optional. They um, they also plant their own. Uh, not, uh, they, they also plant fruit and vegetables. Uh, mm-hmm. And also ha- use solar power, uh, but they're an aeros lab because they also experiment and what it is like uh, to live uh, basically in harmony with nature. All of it, like you know, to be completely um, honest and open about love and, and eros. So there's no shame or guilt about any sexual experience as long as it's consensual. Mm. Uh, so that's. That's also a very um, positive experience, many positive experiences. And they also host workshops and, and events and things like that. Um, uh, and what is that one called again? Valle de Sensaciones, or Valley of Sensations in Spanish. Oh, got um, it. Okay. Yeah, their website is sensaciones.de. Got it. Because cool. the, the, um, the sound is German, so it's DE for... For uh, Germany, got it. And there, there is, of course, Camera, which which is the um, uh, kind of the flagship, if you may, of new culture. Uh, they are the right. ones who they have uh, existed, you know, for they, they're the biggest. They have, I think, at least 120 permanent uh, residents now, and they teach. They, mm-hmm. they do lots of outreach uh, and teaching all over the world. Um, and I highly recommend their book Terra Nova uh, because that really mm-hmm. is, a, is a game changer, and it's it's uh, it, it gave me hope that it is possible to to um, to change the 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 world culture from fear and scarcity to love and, and abundance. Because when you think about it, fear is the most uh, addictive and the most contagious emotion. 
And so I was mm-hmm. doubting. It's like, does even love has does love ha, ha, even has a, has a chance? And by reading Terranova and and uh, visiting Samara and experiencing their uh, philosophies, I really have a lot of faith and a lot of hope um, that love and abundance actually has a fighting chance. <laughs> Wonderful. So, well, thank you I for that. Been... Boy, I could talk to you. I could talk to you about communities forever. But um, let's go back to a little bit more focus about open relationships. And I'm wondering, um, you know, everybody, the first question people ask is, what, you know, don't you get jealous? How do you handle jealousy? I call it the J word because that's always the first question that comes up. So how do these communities, what's the most powerful technology that you've learned for people to manage feelings of jealousy? Yes, that's actually a very, um, a, uh, a very common question, like you mentioned. Um, and I just before I go into how the communities uh, handle it, I just want to clarify the difference between jealous, jealousy and envy. Um, mm. Jealousy is uh, is when you see somebody having something and you do not want them to have it, and envy is when mm-hmm. you see somebody having something and you also want to have it. So, mm-hmm. so in my opinion. Uh, envy is, is not bad. Envy is actually good. Like you see somebody having chocolate cake and say, oh, I want to have a chocolate cake also. So <laughs> we can both have chocolate cake. <laughs> but jealousy is, um, jealousy stems in scarcity. So jealousy is like, I, ha- I see somebody having chocolate cake and say, oh, they should not be having it because whatever reason. I mean, and, and that's, uh, that's what I want to come to next is like, jealousy is like an umbrella term it covers a lot of uh, of negative emotions and traumas, and in, in in order to be able to deal with jealousy, we need to be willing to go deeper, and and ask ourselves, okay, what does this jealousy cover? Is it a cover for a feeling of uh, separation? Is it fear of not being enough? Is it fear of um, abandonment? Like there's there's so many different Things that that we just cover up by calling jealous, but the mm-hmm. the growth and the uh, and the transformation happens when we are willing to face what is going on underneath that term. What is happening mm-hmm. in our like before, like in, again in our bodies, in our emotion, emotional and thoughts. What is, what is mm-hmm. happening when we when we say we're jealous? Um, and so in these communities, many of them, actually all, all the three that I mentioned, uh, they especially, well, let me start with Tamara because Tamara is kind of, a, sort of the flagship of new culture. They have mm-hmm. something called love schools. So before people, uh, if you want to live there, you have to go through a week-long training uh, in their love school. And I have not been to the love school, so I cannot give, give you details about the training, um, but I know from people who have done it that they basically refine what it means to relate to others, and mm-hmm. they teach self-responsibility. So again, they address jealousy and how to deal with jealousy and things like that. So that's that's one example uh, what Tamara mm-hmm. does. Uh, in Vida uh, Sucesiones, when you first arrive, you have to agree to four uh, principles or like four things. One of them mm-hmm. is that you take responsibility for your own experience. Mm-hmm. So whatever happens, whatever experience you have or you don't have, you don't say, you, you, you cannot blame others for it. It's, it's your own experience and you, you take responsibility for it. So uh, if you feel jealous, then it's, it's, you know, I feel jealous because I felt my need for X, Y, Z is not being met. Or, or, um, so, so again, they encourage self-responsibility. Uh, and in, in the Leah, they have a regular forum. They, they hold the forum regularly, at least, I think, once a week or so. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, for those of, uh, who don't know what the forum is, it's basically a way for the community, for each member of the community to get seen and heard by all the other members without any judgment. And mm-hmm. so this is a very effective way of dealing with the emotions underlying the jealousy, because mm-hmm. when we are um, able to express our emotions honestly and authentically without 
fear of retaliation or judgment, then it takes the edge off and, and 90% of, of, the, uh, of the emotional charge disappears when, when the emotions are heard. So that's a very mm-hmm. effective way that, that communities deal with jealousy. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, there are lots of, uh, it's kind of like uh, when you have a field of love and abundance, and then uh, somebody's feeling jealous or, or uh, scarce, uh, like fear and scarcity comes up, if, there's, if it's surrounded, if, if like this tiny little um, spot of, of fear and, and uh, fear and scarcity kind of arises, if it's, if it's surrounded and by, by love and abundance, then it's, it's easily absorbed and it doesn't grow and, and, and start uh, spreading. Uh, that's why mm-hmm. it's extremely important to, you know, another practice that I teach in, in, um, to, to practice free love is to surround yourself with like-minded people. Because yes. if you want to live uh, in, in a field of love and abundance and be able to keep your reservoir full, filled, filled, if you may, um, it's extremely hard to maintain that in the mainstream culture because the mainstream culture is basically a huge field of fear and scarcity. You know, if you just turn on the radio or TV or, or listen to the news, it's all about fear. It's like a, and it's right. extremely yeah, hard. I'm glad you, I'm glad you, yeah, I'm glad you talked about that because Sorry. I had it on my, note, my notes here to mention the concept of tribe. Um, I was just listening to Esther Perel, uh, a lecture that she gave earlier this year, and she was talking about how we once lived in tribes and we had such a great sense of belonging and um, such deep connections with people and we, we never had to feel lonely, but we had very little freedom, very little autonomy. And now we've flipped it to the exact opposite where we have so much freedom and autonomy but we often don't have a sense of belonging. We often don't have enough connections and we feel very lonely and isolated. So a lot of us are going back looking for tribes. And last weekend I did a, a journey and I, I connected deep within myself and I felt this universal core wound of separation from tribe. And it feels like, you know, those of us who are practicing these alternative relationship models really need tribe to be able to do it successfully because the larger culture does not have our back. So I love that you're looking for the right tribe where, where you can really land. Um, and so can you talk a little bit about how, you know, being in tribe and having community allows you to kind of relax into a new a relationship style that wouldn't be available to you if you were just in a larger culture? Indeed, uh, that's actually very important, and and it's it's not a new concept because you know if you think about it, uh, any kind of um, uh, community, like any like people who, for example, let's say uh, people go to to church for for tribe and for community, people go to mm-hmm. um, you know around their hobbies, they find they they find community, so. It's it's a very natural natural uh, inclination to to want to find like-minded people so they can practice your belief systems freely and and in a supportive community. Uh, and luckily mm-hmm. enough, in this day and age, um, there is communication is very easy. So uh, you can easily find um, your your tribe online or or offline, and uh, or a combination of both. So. Uh, the, the resources are, are are there. It's just a matter of believing that you know you can find people and 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 start declaring. Okay, this is what, I, what I'm looking for. Um, and then once you usually it's, it's kind of like a uh, a thread. Like once you grab the the thread, then you can start pulling and, and finding more and more people like like-minded people. So there is there is no lack of communities online and offline. Uh, of, or you can even start your own. I mean, many people, um, there are so many different polyamory-related polyamory uh, platforms online, on Facebook, on, on Meetup, on 
other other uh, online platforms. And once you connect with one, it's very easy to connect with other. Like for example, when I left on this journey, I only knew about Tamara because Tamara is, as I said, they they do a lot of outreach. So I only, only knew about Tamara uh, as a, uh, a community that practices free love. So I went there, mm-hmm. and from the people I met there, I found all the other uh, communities. And there's actually, mm-hmm. I discovered that even there is a website called Eco Villages uh, that has a basically a list of all the eco villages all over Europe. Um, and so the, there's so, much, so many resources out there that, that uh, make it easier and easier to find like-minded people. And that is a crucial step in living in a polyamorous lifestyle is, is to find your community and find, to find your tribe. And as I said, even if you cannot find them in, in your local uh, physical uh, space, then online there's, there's lots of resources and you're bound to find somebody who lives close to you or, or within like an hour commute. Uh, so it's really... Uh, right crucial to find like-minded people and build your own community. Right. So those of us that still are living in the city and we aren't, don't have the means to go live in a fabulous land-based community, um, we are often working during the week and we don't have a whole lot of time to go and hang out with communities. So if we get triggered, if our jealousy gets triggered in a relationship, um, what kind of tools can you share for those of us that are just in our day-to-day life and we often have our core wounds triggered, our, our deepest sense of that I'm not enough or um, I'm unlovable, I'm not wanted. Some of those deepest core wounds get triggered um, from what we call jealousy. So what can you give us to take away today um, for when you're in that place of just so much deep pain and it's hard for you to even do the physical, emotional thoughts process. You know, you don't even have the resources to do it. You're just in your pain. What what kind of resources can you give us for that? Yeah. That's actually the most basic question. And thank you for mentioning that. That's actually a a very important step. Uh, And that's part of knowing yourself and owning your power. So knowing yourself is knowing how to, how to find your center. So um, each person is different, but I always, you know, tell people like in your in your life as, as you're going about uh, as you're going about your life, understand yourself and, and know what makes you shine, what makes you kind of come back to center. So for some people, it might be physical physical activity. Like for me, dance is is my prayer. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. when I move and I dance to music, it's it's like nothing else exists in the world except the music and my body. And it's so healing on many levels. Uh, for people, it might be journaling, writing. It might be meditation. It might be a walk in nature. Uh, it can even be just hitting pillows. You know, emotional release is extremely important just to kind of get some physical, uh, physical movement with your body and, and even scream at a pillow, hit the pillow, uh, crying, uh, whatever, whatever, whatever you need to do to to come to come back to your center, and and you can even write write down a list of things that make you happy. And then when you are in that pain space, just go to that list and pick something up and do it. And and a good practice to do before you get in the pain is to like do something loving towards yourself at least once a day. Like you know, make time for like for yourself. Like the, the first basic step is like to make a practice of loving yourself, you know, at least once a day. So go spoil yourself with like a, you know, a massage or, or um, like make a date with yourself and do something that's just for you. For you. Uh, and, and so once you have these practices of, of honoring your, yourself and loving yourself, then you can, you can when, you're, when you're in that in pain space, then you can easily find the way, your way out by doing these things that that kind of dissipate that pain, like kind of suck it out, like a sponge. Mm. So when you're triggered, you know, if you cannot remember that list, like find it on your phone or something, like just kind of go to that list of this is how I come back to center. Uh, It Mm -hmm. can even be, you know, listening to your favorite song, singing your favorite song, 
sometimes mm -hmm. if we change our physical, uh, this is actually my lesson from, from dance, I teach that in my dance classes, if you change, change your physical physicality, like for example, if I'm in pain, I'm usually slouching and my, my um, uh, body is kind of closed. Let's practice opening up my sternum and, push, and pulling my head up and, and like walking with a straight, uh, a straight spine and smiling. Even that tiny little physical adjustment of my body changes my mood instantly. It, it's, it's kind of like mm. magic. It's uh, a conditioned reflex. So sometimes mm -hmm. just changing your physical uh, physicality can help you relieve or kind of shift that, uh, that spiral, like the negative spiral down. So uh, studying yourself and studying what makes you happy is, is an extremely important um, uh, step towards, towards living your power. Um, mm. And also having a, like a, almost like a bank deposit of, of moments that you can go back to and think of and uh, because, let me just step back, I call these like the, actually one of my mentors calls them Aristotle So whenever you have a wonderful experience, like you're in this moment, like in a moment and, and just magic happens and you're feeling so high, store that in, in like your bank of memories, okay, like a special bank. Um, and when, you, when you're upset or sad or depressed or in pain, just kind of close your eyes and go visit that space in your in your mm -hmm. mind because as far as the minds go, they never they don't know the difference between something we're experiencing firsthand or something we're thinking about. So you can actually mm. play with that um, with that kind of part of the of the nature of our minds to change your your um, your mood by going to that space where you felt so so good and so you know so one like in your element kind of thing. So there Beautiful. are so many ways to come back to the center. Excellent. Well, thank you, Hala, for all those very, very practical tips and tools that, that people can really take away with them today. Um, I feel like we could go on for another hour with all of your knowledge and experience, but we're out of time. So I want to give you a couple minutes to tell our listeners um, how they can reach you. And um, I believe you have something that you wanted to offer our listeners as well. So go ahead. Um, yes, I'm happy to, to, to talk more, to discuss more about uh, practicing unconditional love and, and, uh, um, and free love. I'm available on Facebook uh, under uh, my name, Hala Fauzi, or Hala Dance. It's easier to remember, H-A-L-A uh, Dance. Uh, so you can find me on Messenger. You can find me also uh, on Facebook. Um, and I'm happy to, to offer basically a free kind of chat or consultation, if you may, for people who are interested in, in practicing polyamory. Uh, I'm not a relationship coach and I'm not a psychologist, so I cannot offer you, like, you know, uh, counseling, but I'm happy to talk about how to practice um, free love and, and self-love uh, just from my own experience and, and, and uh, years and years of learning the hard way. So um, whoever, the first five people to call or to contact me uh, via Facebook or via Messenger, uh, or if not, I'm also happy to share my phone number, uh, which is 408-246-1129. Uh, and uh, they can contact me there by sending a message. And we can schedule some time because, as you know, we're traveling, so we have to find the time that works for both of us. And we can talk right. about love and polyamory and open relationships. Awesome. Well, that's very generous of you. Um, we are out of time, but I want to thank you so much for being on the show, Hala, and I wish you all the best in your travels. Thank you very much, Sumati. It's my pleasure, and thank you for everything you're doing for, the, for making the world a better, a better place. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. On Leading Edge Love Radio, we'll be talking about um, a group of women that we call that I am a part of called LoveWise Salon. It's a forum for relationship and sexuality empowerment. And there's uh, six women that ha are founding this in the Bay Area, and we're going to be on the show talking about it next week. So please join us, 6 p.m. Pacific time on Leading Edge Love Radio. Good night, everyone.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.